topic that has been in the news recently is that of gender identity. We have heard everything from adding separate bathrooms to locker rooms in order to accommodate everyone, men, women, and those who are unsure what gender they are. Is this the new norm? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. In today's broadcast, Pat will interview Focus on the Families, Glenn Stanton, as they discuss the gender identity crisis. If you're unable to hear any of this message, all of our broadcasts are available on our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Now here's Pat with part two of this interview regarding this highly debatable topic. And so what you're talking about here really has the ideology has really penetrated into the church and for those who would say that there's a difference between male and female the role of a man and a woman you get charged with inequality and discrimination and being like like a racist or something Patrick you are so right and it is I mean it's surprising to hear that even at a Christian college I mean, I tell you what, and I was speaking to some people Friday night about this, that, you know, for the last 15 years, I've gone out to secular campuses and debate this. And, you know, one, I'll, I'll say, let me lay out my foundational ideas. And, you know, I'll lay out a few and I'll say, I come from the perspective and the conviction that male and female are the two ways to be human primarily and that male and female are different. And it is like throwing a match into a gas can, you know? Just immediately the place erupts in booze and laughter, not because it's funny, but because it's ridiculous. And it is, I mean, it's like in that auditorium, you flip the switch and the lights come on, just natural. You say that and the place is going to erupt. And that takes us back to that spiritual thing of why is that happening? How is that happening? Satan is, I mean, it's not that the people involved are satanic or Satan-possessed, but Satan is influencing the world just like he influences us in our own sinful nature. But he's influencing the world to doubt the very image of God in humanity, and that is in male and female. Males are not females, and females are not males. They are both very different. And what I like to say is, you know, people tend to think that in this area to say things are different than one is better than the other. If we say male and female are different, then why do you think males are more important? Why do you think they're better? And I will answer, if somebody says that a sushi restaurant is different than an Italian restaurant, nobody says, why do you think sushi is better than Italian? They're not. They're just different. They each have their own values, their own virtues. When God created male, he said, you know what? He is incomplete within himself, you know? So I've got to create somebody or something that finishes him, that completes him, and he creates her, female. And female is inadequate, if you will, without male in the sense of not that everybody has to have a husband or wife, but humanity works in every culture by the cooperation and the care and the, you know, the living together of the male and the female. So to say that they're different and they're unique actually 
tells us that each of them have specific power and influence and speciality. I mean, if we think that women are less than men, you know what, try to take women out of the culture and, you know, we will be crying in 10 minutes. You know, bring those women back. Those women are wonderful. Those women, you know, they run the show. They really do. Even though, like you said, you know, the scripture says, you know, women submit to your husbands, but it says, as Christ submitted to the church, or as the church submits to Christ, husbands do not need to be taskmasters like that, because Christ is not a taskmaster. He's gracious, he's forgiving, he's patient, um, and again, that's how husbands need to be. But it all goes back to what you were saying, Patrick, is that in our theology, Christian theology, a fundamental nature of understanding who God is, we've got to understand who male and female is, not because God is male and female, but Genesis one twenty six and 27 tells us that male and female are created in and reflect the image of God in the world. And there's no other part of creation that does that. It's only male and female uniquely. Yes, you know, and Glenn, you know, I was on a panel with a military leader. I think he was a colonel in the Army. And they were debating the whole issue about women being in combat alongside the men. And the yeah. vast majority in the audience thought it ought to be 50-50, 50% of women wow. along with 50% of men fighting in, you know, in combat there. It was only me and the colonel in that whole audience of a few hundred people were the only ones who disagreed. You know, one of the things, well, one of the things I was, yeah. yeah, I was saying physically, you know, men and women are different and being in the martial arts you know, I can see that men are physically stronger than women. Now, that's not saying women can't beat up on men. There are right. a few who can, but I'm saying they got to be really good. The ones who can are really, really good. And they have to be because men are just physically stronger there. But boy, me and that colonel really got it from the audience. Well, and that's because we are so absorbed in this idea of fairness. And you know what? I mean, we see it on the political correctness you know, on campus about, oh, we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. We all want to be equal. You know, for those of us who grew up in the everybody on the team gets a, you know, a first place trophy, you know, regardless of what you've done, that's sort of where we are. But it is interesting in that it's interesting. I mean, Patrick, I was reading something in Time magazine um, this weekend about a four-star female general, and she had been put in charge of, like, one of the combat wings of the Air Force. I don't know all the proper language some of your, you know, military listeners may. He doesn't know what he's talking about. But I was thinking about this woman, and you know what? She is probably not a feminist. She is this confident, secure woman who is a woman who has just been capable and moved up through the ranks and taken this job. You know, me at Focus on the Family, conservative Christian, I don't think, well, man, she needs to go back home and get in the kitchen where she belongs. Good for her. You know, there are, like you said, in martial arts, there are women who can way take care of themselves better than I can as a man. If those women want to join the military and if they can meet the criteria, you know what, even if they're my daughter, I don't want them going off to military, but, or, you know, off to war, but... If they're able and if they're capable, you know, that's what they want to do. That's how they think they can serve the country. But this idea of 
you know, it should be 50-50 is just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. You know, Glenn, you know, in an article in First Things, you wrote that LGBT is not actually a thing. You know, can you explain what you mean by that? Basically, what it means is, you know, LGBT, we think that it's this group of people, you know, again, like we were talking about African-American, Asian-American, the LGBT people. Um, but what we have to understand is there's no such thing as an LGBT person, and there's no such thing as an LGBT community. Here's why. If you say there's an LGBT person, then what you're saying is that person is lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgendered, and then all the other letters that they put onto that. Nobody is all those things. You're either you know lesbian or gay identified, you're the bisexual, transgender, but even in the community, the quote-unquote LGBTQ community, they don't get along with each other. The L's and the G's, the lesbians and the gays, don't get along with each other. They both think each other's kind of weird. The lesbians and the gays, the L's and the G's, don't get along with the T's. The transgender people are just kind of goofy. And then, you know, they figure the B's, the bisexuals, you know what, just pick a side already. These groups clearly, and I talk about that in the article, how they do not get along with each other. And so, you know, when we think there's an LGBT community, no, there's not. Not. Um, that's just a political structure, if you will, that's been artificially created. Wow, you know, that's surprising to know. I mean, we in, you know, the news seem to see a united front. What you're saying here is this is a divided community that really doesn't exist. That's exactly right. I mean, practically, it doesn't exist because, you know, these people are just, they're not in solidarity with one another. And so when we are shamed, you know, we are not supporting or, you know, affirming the gay and lesbian, they don't agree or, you know, affirm them their own selves. Wow. You know, Glenn, there are some countries I travel to in Asia that are proposing a third gender. So you, you can say you're male, female, or there's a third gender here that you can select. Do you see that debate coming right here to the United States? You probably know about this with Facebook. Facebook, a number of years ago, they said, we're going to give more options that people can check beyond just male and female. And so, I mean, I knew what that was going to lead to, and they created more than 50 different genders that people could identify with. Wow. But guess what happened to Facebook? They got complaints from users that their particular gender was not included in their list of 50 things. And so that's the thing is, there's no such thing as a third gender. And it goes back to the subjectivity. When you try to open that up beyond male and female, you are not going to be able to capture every subjective gender identity that's out there. And Facebook learned that to their frustration. And what they finally had to do was, you know what, fill in the blank. Um, wow. Because they saw it was just ridiculous. And it is ridiculous. Yeah. Wow. Now, Glenn, you know, in a recent article by Fox News, the organization Planned Parenthood is now helping transgender patients make the transition here. You know, what role has Planned Parenthood had in this whole sexual revolution? 
Well, that's interesting. I mean, in, in the sexual revolution, in a huge sort of way, I mean, because their whole big thing has been, you know what, let's just take the boundaries off of everything that we do. And anything that you want to do is fine, just as long as you're safe that way. The then getting into the transgender issue is new to me. I didn't know about that. It's not surprising at all because, again, I mean, that's the way that the leftists and, you know, what I call the groovy people in society are doing. And, you know, so it's, it's no surprise that they would go that way as well. Yeah. Now, Glenn, you know, how can the churches reach the LGBT community. I mean, we haven't done a very good job here of outreach there. And that's one of the things you write about in your great book here, Loving My LGBT Neighbor here, which I highly recommend for all our readers. But how can the churches reach out to this community? Well, first of all, to understand that, and, and you know, and you're using community as a, as a shorthand kind of thing. Right. But to not see people as a community or as a group, but as an individual. This transgender person in front of me that I am interacting with, don't see them as a transgender person, even if they demand that you do. See them as a person. You know, you think about prejudice. Prejudice is taking one thing about the person and making that the biggest thing about them. Whereas people just want to be seen as who they are. So gay, lesbian, transgender individuals, develop those friendships, develop those relationships, absolutely. But see them as people, see them as the individual that they are. And when they want to make their identity, their sexuality, say, you know what, I am not going to play along with you in that respectfully, because you are so much more than that. We would do that if, you know what, I, I'm a motocross racer, or I'm a surfer, and that's all I talk about all the time. Somebody would go, you know what, I know there's something deeper there in you, Glenn, than just this one-dimensional thing of you being a surfer or gay or lesbian or whatever. Um, connect with them as people and love them as people and be interested in them as people, and that will help you through a lot of the problems there. And that's what Christ calls us to do as Christians, is to love our neighbors as ourselves love our gay, lesbian, transgender, you know, neighbors. It doesn't mean that we have to, you know, sign off on their sexual ethics, but we can love them as people, as individuals. And that's another thing, Patrick, and you know this well, is, you know, this is the only area where we have to say, you have to completely agree with me on this point if you want to be my friend. You know, we don't have any friends where we require them, you know what, if you don't agree with me on this, then you can't be my friend. But that's exactly what we see here, and we should not fall for it. Yeah, uh, You know, Glenn, you make a great point. A lot of those who've come out of the homosexual uh, community to come to know Christ make that exact point you're saying here, that they were loved for who they are. Their sin wasn't confronted right away. They were loved for who they are, and then... Issues in their life were dealt with later, but uh, it's because Christians reached out to them and just loved them as a person. It's exactly what you're saying here. You know what I find, and I hear a lot of Christians say, oh, well, the church has a lot to apologize to the gay community for. And I can be critical of the church, but on this issue, I find the church delightfully being more gracious and kind and warm towards individuals, even those who have a strong you know, biblical sexual ethic, 
they say, you know what? I have a gay neighbor. I have a lesbian coworker. I'm going to be their friend. I'm going to be gracious. I'm going to be kind to them. And I find that time and time again. Christian parents whose kids come out to them, yeah, their world is shaken up and it blows them away, but they're typically loving, and you know what, you're my son, you're my daughter, and nothing you can tell me or nothing you can do will ever change that. Christians are generally more gracious to the gay and lesbian side of things than the gay and lesbian side is, you know, far less friendly to us. Um, we have the Holy Spirit. We have Christ dwelling within us, and we need to be that way. We have no real excuse, but we can't think that, oh, generally, you know, Christians are just ugly and mean to gay and lesbian people. I just do not see that to be the case, and that's just the kind of stereotype or caricature that's out there. Yes, that's quite unfortunate, you know. Uh, Glenn, you know, how do you counsel maybe a young person who's beginning to struggle with their gender identity? Well, it depends on sort of how old they are. We have parents who call us at Focus, and I get a lot of those calls, and they'll say, you know what, my eight-year-old kid believes he's gay. And I will just tell the parent, you know what, your eight-year-old kid is not gay. What they typically are struggling with is they are a different kind of boy. They may be more sensitive. They may like theater. They may like to tap dance. They may like art. All that means is, and and what we see in the school today and in the culture is, well, let me tell you what you are. You're gay. No, it's what they call gender atypical, you know? You look at Mr. Rogers. You look at, you know, all kinds of different people, you know? They're just different kinds of guys. They're not the stereotypical guy. And there's nothing in Scripture, nothing anywhere that says you have to be a stereotypical kind of guy. So I will tell those parents, you know what, affirm your little boy's own sort of masculinity. Let him, you know what, you're not the boy, and it's wonderful that you're the boy that you are. Same thing with little girls, you know. It's it's not that you're lesbian, it's that, you know, you're just a different kind of girl. You like to get dirty, you're tough. You're like you were saying earlier, you can go to the dojo and you can, you know, kick the guy's rear end. You know, it doesn't mean that you're a lesbian. It just means that you're a different type of girl and your father and I love the kind of girl that you are. So, you know, a lot of from those early ages up is a lot of sexual confusion. And what parents need to do is not get freaked out, but just help their children sort of learn who they are and if they are different, why they're different and what that means and what it doesn't mean. But also, that's not to say that, you know, counseling in family counseling and, you know, for one of the parents and the child to, you know, go to counseling like that and just kind of get a handle on what is happening there. Yeah, Glenn. Now, this is obviously an issue that the church needs to address here. And I'm speaking from the pulpit and from the teachers in the Sunday school classroom. What advice could you give on how to address this issue and not make it, you know, an us against them kind of, you know, combative situation? How how can pastors and teachers, you know, uh, address this issue? Well, and that's the very, very important thing in the phrase that you just used, is not an us against them. In my book, Loving My LGBT Neighbor, I lay out what I call the the great equalizers. And it's very important that when we're interacting with either our children or neighbors or family members, 
that we remember these great equalizers and that it's not us against them. And basically those equalizers are each of us are human beings, everybody, regardless of what your story is, that God created you with dignity and value and worth, regardless of what your story is, gay, straight, otherwise, no exceptions, no qualifications there. That means that God loves you deeply. He loves you, who you are, the person that we're speaking to across the table, looking them in their eyes. God loves them and cares for them just as much as he loves me or, you know, anybody. No compromise, no exceptions, no exclusions. But also, every one of us are stricken with what I call a terminal illness, sin. And we need the salvation, the forgiveness, and the repentance that comes from living under Christ, and that we need transformation, okay? That, those things are true of every one of us. And, you know, that, that way there's not them over there and us over here. We are all in the same boat. And so as we interact with our gay family members, lesbians, I mean, family members, coworkers, things like that, we have to understand that largely each one of us are in the same boat, sinners loved by God, who wants us to change, who wants us to repent, but we each have different hang-ups, different problems. This guy across the table, he's got some sexual issues. You know what I've got? I've got issues with the truth. I've got issues with pride. I've got issues with arrogance, you know? And understanding that all of us are in the same boat and letting the person know that, you know? I am no different than you, even though some particulars about our lives are different. And it's in seeing them as individuals, loving them as individuals, the individuals that God created created them to be, and not as gay or lesbian individuals, because that's the other thing that we need to know is nobody is born lesbian or gay, nor do they choose it. Those are just two very false kind of, of ideas. It's something much more complicated than that, but there's no science anywhere that says, well, this is just the way people are. Yes, that's some fantastic advice. You've been listening to my interview with Glenn Stanton, the director of Global Family Formation Studies at Focus on the Family, and uh, two great books he wrote that I highly recommend, Loving My LGBT Neighbor and Marriage on Trial. Glenn, it's obviously been a hot topic. I'm going to get a lot of email on this, but where can people get more information on this topic from you and Focus on the Family? Focus on the Family has a lot of great information. Our website is focusonthefamily.com. You can go to our social issues page or our focus findings page. Um, you could go in, just Google social issues, focus on the family, or focus findings, so focus, on the, focus on the family. And we just have all kinds of resources, print resources, materials that people can get up to date on all of these issues and, and know and be um, equipped in what's going on. Yeah, and Glenn, if people want to contact you directly, is there an email or anything they can uh, use to contact you? There is. Yeah, my, my email, very, very easy, is just Glenn with two ends, Glenn.Stanton at FOTF, as in Focus on the Family, FOTF.org. Again, that's Glenn, two ends. Glenn.Stanton at Yes, and for our listeners out there, if you have uh, questions or comments, you know, I'd be glad to receive them. I'm sure going to get a lot. But if you have any hate mail, go to Glenn Stanton. At, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> 
Send it my way. <laughs> yes. But, I'm uh, used to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy, I see all the interaction and the reaction, rather. You're getting there on the Internet, and, boy, it's a, a tough stand you're taking, but I'm glad that God has called you in this arena. I'm glad you're standing in the gap and being a clear voice for the Bible and for God's Word. Well, thank you, and I'm serious. If somebody opposes or you know, disagrees, and if they write and ask me honest, serious questions, but even tough questions, I promise you, I will write you back. If you just, you know, want to write and call me names, you know, no, no reason in engaging you that way. But if, if you want to have serious questions, I will take your serious questions very seriously, and I promise you, I will write you back. Fantastic. Well, Glenn, it's been great to have you on the show. I'm sure we're going to have you again, not only on the show, but back here in Hawaii at one of our conferences. Good. I would love that. I would love that, Patrick. It's good to talk to you. Yes. Thank you very much. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. Be sure to join us next time for the continuation of this exciting show. If you find this broadcast to be a blessing, please consider partnering with us. Evidence and Answers relies on generous donations from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate and keep us on the air, head on over to our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. You'll also find we have a wide variety of resources available to you, including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. Evidence and Answers would like to thank our key sponsor, Highland Capital Management providing investors with alternative investment solutions for more than 20 years. To learn more, visit them online at hcmlp.com. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide reasons for faith and hope in Christ right here on Evidence and Answers.